This is Lisa Murkowski, Chairman of the Energy and Natural Resources Committee with Murkowski's Message Podcast. Hello to all. Welcome to the ninth episode of Murkowski's Message. It's Thursday, the 23rd of July. Thanks for joining me. Um, I think so many in Alaska know that we have a, a unique relationship with the oil and gas industry. The state pays for our teachers, our troopers, transportation workers, and more through the revenue and the royalties that are generated by oil and gas production. In some years, our oil revenues have funded up to about 90% of the state's budget, so it is, it is substantive. Today, I'm proud to have a guest with me who understands Alaska's oil and gas better than than just about anybody out there, from the, the geology or the rocks, as they say, to its socio-cultural impacts and, and benefits. But before I introduce her, I want to share a little bit about the significant changes that we're seeing going on in Alaska that she has been right at the center of. Earlier this month, we began a new chapter in Alaska's oil and gas story with Hillcore's acquisition of BP's upstream assets. It is welcome news that this deal uh, still went forward in, I think, what we would all acknowledge is a very challenging business and economic climate. And so the fact that everything went on as scheduled, again, is, is most welcome. Hillcore will be a critical driver of our economy going forward, um, particularly as we are working to, to rebuild from the challenges that we've seen from the pandemic, uh, including the period when uh, oil prices actually plummeted below zero. It was a brief period, but uh, again, you know, in Alaska, we can deal with temperatures below zero, but prices in that range are, are, are a different case. For more than 50 years, BP has been a steady and reliable partner in Alaska and, and really a celebrated presence in the community. It's put more than 8,000 people to work, sponsored nonprofit sporting, community events that have really become part of the fabric of many Alaskan families. BP has been the operator at four North Slope fields, including our mammoth Prudhoe Bay field, uh, that have produced up to two-thirds of the state's oil. Hillcore is stepping into some pretty big shoes, um, and I think both companies have worked very, very hard to make this deal happen. And at the helm during the handoff was Janet Weiss. BP Alaska president who has worked in the oil and gas industry for nearly three decades. Uh, Janet is a longtime Alaskan. She is a skilled engineer, a respected industry leader. She's a mother. She's a grandmother. Um, I know her to be a pretty fine fisherwoman, um, and uh, Janet is now enjoying the early days of well-deserved retirement uh, with family. So. It is a it's a pleasure indeed to be able to to welcome you, Janet, uh, to our viewers. Um, uh, again, I thank you for for what you have done, your willingness to to just uh, share a few minutes uh, with listeners today. But uh, welcome to you. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be a part of this, Senator. Good. I appreciate it. So, Janet, let's give our listeners just some really quick background. You entered the oil and gas industry in the mid-1980s. Um, uh, oil prices were low then, not negative, but they were pretty low. Um, and, and at the 
time that you entered, it was it was a field that was pretty clearly dominated by men. I think you were also a new mom at the time. Um, just to to our listeners, um, what inspired your your career choice in the first place, and and then as you are giving advice to to young women that might be interested in entering the field today, I know that it is not um, uh, that heavily male dominated uh, workplace as it was when when you first started. But how'd you get into it, and what advice would you give? Oh, thank you. Um, well, you know, I, I moved up to Alaska in 1986. wasn't quite a mom yet, but uh, okay. my husband and I had graduated from university. Uh, we got married, and we moved up all within a month, and we moved up to Alaska in June. Um, we never had seen the colors so brilliant when you see just, uh, we, you know, a sight unseen. We'd never visited Alaska before, and the flowers, the the rivers, going down to Kenai and seeing the beautiful, beautiful mountains and, and rivers and experiencing it, um, it was absolutely thrilling. But it was also 1986 with incredibly low oil price. And uh, mm-hmm. the work ethic um, at that time, it, it really helped in, instill a very, very intense uh, work ethic um, for us. Um, and yeah, it was uh, a lot of men. Um, my second day of work, I flew up to the North Slope, and uh, my boss dropped me off for a week. Um, and uh, just for me to get a feel for the for the place and to work a problem, um, it uh, it it was quite the education. Um, it's like being thrown into the deep end of a swimming pool for sure. But with the focus on staying true to yourself really being inquisitive and going after solving problems and being um, really focused on a purpose of, of adding value, I found it to be a very fun place. Challenging? You bet. Sometimes harsh? Absolutely. But worth it in the end. Do you think it's still as challenging a field for young women to, to enter as it was when, when you started up? I think that the oil and gas industry, and especially in Alaska, is far more attuned to hearing from different kinds of voices. A voice at the table is so important, and we've worked hard on the culture to be far more accepting. The more ideas, the more diverse perspectives, the better the solution. That's been proven time in and time out. Um, and so we work on that. And I think a lot of the uh, participants uh, and coworkers that uh, maybe those that have w- worked 40 years They've seen that bear fruit far more friendly to to the diversity that that makes up our culture here in Alaska. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think we really are um, we are seeing that change. And you 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 look around um, you look around the table uh, that that you just um, stepped back from. Uh, you've got Darlene Gates uh, as president of ExxonMobil Alaska. You have Kara Moriarty, who heads up the Alaska Oil and Gas Association. You have a good handful of women who head the uh, the various um, trade alliances, the resource trade alliances, and uh, I think we're we're seeing again this this diversification of the of the energy industry's workforce, and that is that is good. So, 
let's uh, let's let's talk a little bit about um, about the market. Uh, as I mentioned, we have we've seen historically low prices for oil just recently. Um, some analysts are now saying that we're seeing peak oil not in supply but on the demand side. And as someone who has been so involved in this industry, you've seen all sorts of cycles and changes. Where, where do you see oil prices and, and really the broader industry headed in, in the short term and then um, perhaps a little bit further down the road? And so this is one where you get to pull out your crystal ball for, for uh, trying to prognosticate on, on this particular question. Well, I think when we still um, step back, we have, uh, you know, well over 2 billion people that um, um, need to be pulled out of poverty, and in some ways COVID has, uh, has made that trickier. We have a couple billion people that uh, will be added to planet Earth, so the fundamentals are there for that demand of energy, and of course, across the planet, there's such an outcry for cleaner energy in all of this. Um, I personally don't believe that we've reached peak oil. I think that there is a demand for oil for um, decades um, to come. However, I do believe that, uh, that our planet and what we're going through, um, when you um, add COVID on top and, and how we're emerging from all of this, um, the future has been accelerated. Um, we need to ensure that in Alaska, um, in all of this, um, that our options are more competitive. If you take a look at what various big oil companies, European companies, have done over the past couple of months, they're all looking at lower oil price forecasts. Uh, talking about oil price and being robust um, uh, below $50 a barrel, more like $40 a barrel, and stress testing in the $30 a barrel. And uh, BP has, has uh, written down $17.5 billion worth of opportunity in Shell, $22 billion. And now you could see today's announcement with Repsol and, and a recent announcement of uh, E&I. So you can see that uh, something's afoot here. And when you think about something afoot and lower oil price, it is super important for Alaska um, to, to really be competitive. Uh, Lisa, one thing, you know, you, you mentioned uh, Darlene Gates and Kara Moriarty, and you mentioned uh, uh, the women that are at the helm of um, a lot of, uh, even our Alaska Native corporations, there's so many phenomenal women out there. And I think that uh, the reason why I'm so excited about Alaska and I like to see women at the, the helm, and the thing that we talk about is absolutely human progression in this world and what oil and gas has meant to this state for quality and quantity of life. And to keep that going is super important, even in this harsh environment, lower oil price outlook. We've got to make sure we're competitive and on the front foot. Well, and, and, and speaking to the issue of, of competitive, because we know, okay, well, one way that you can be competitive is, is when you... Um, uh, when you're producing at lower, lower prices. Okay, we get that. But, but what else can, in your view, can the states do to make sure that, uh, that we are more competitive? And, and, and I shouldn't just limit it to the states. 
what more can the industry in Alaska do to make sure that it is more uh, competitive? Yeah, I do think uh, there's a there's a part for everybody to play because certainly um, the the oil and gas industry must serve up technology beyond the cutting edge and really push for efficiencies. That's super important. An, another aspect is um, the way that uh, the state um, taxes the industry. We need to make sure as Alaskans that we don't kill the golden goose, that we don't tax the industry out of being competitive. Um, and and that's, a, that's absolutely critical. Um, while the state is navigating how do we, and, and Alaskans, how do we emerge um, it, from this harsh time, you want to make sure and uh, keep businesses com uh, competitive and thriving. And oil and gas is at the heart of the economic engine, so that's important. The, the other aspect is something that you do, <laughs> and the Alaska delegation is doing very well, and that's uh, thinking through what is the federal government doing for, um, uh, for this industry. And uh, helping with infrastructure out west is, uh, is an important part of uh, helping our options stay competitive. Um, where um, the federal government can step in with some infrastructure and um, maybe usher in certain options and development that has been so exciting recently, mm -hmm. um, maybe help uh, accelerate that as well. So it takes all of us, and I guarantee <laughs> that the oil and gas workers that are out there are um, bringing their A-game. Um, it's been amazing to see what's been done over the past few years both development and in producing in the legacy field. Mm -hmm. It is, and, and, and I continue to say that Alaska has such a good story to tell, and of course it's a story that, uh, that continues to, to unfold um, in terms of the efficiencies, the technologies, um, you know, how, how, how Alaska actually produces. I, I think that we've got a, when it comes to a, a cleaner, um, uh, production. I think that we've got a story to, to, to tell there. Uh, we don't see the level of flaring that you do in other parts of the country. And we, we've, got, we've got a good story, a strong story. And, and as you point out, and I, I certainly agree, when we talk about, about peak oil, yes, we are seeing, uh, we are seeing demand down now um, at these times of, of COVID. Uh, but, but again, um, I, I think that we need to remember that when we think about uh, about uh, the need for for oil, it is not just to to, to move your vehicle or uh, to produce um, uh, aviation fuel. It is it is in so many parts of our day to day life um, we we don't even recognize it. So uh, that is an appreciation that I think. Uh, is important to remind folks of. So I, I, I mentioned um, in your introduction that you were just at the center of one of the most consequential business deals that we've seen in the state. I know there are many elements of the negotiations and the acquisition between BP and Hillcorp that are still in process and, and probably can't be discussed. But um, can you just just share with us uh, perhaps, perhaps what you find to be most encouraging, or or perhaps most challenging, 
uh, about this uh, this um, a new alignment uh, in the state with Hillcor acquiring VP's assets and and just what that whole uh, process has been like. How about if I hit encouraging and then challenging? We'll finish up there with the challenging. There you go. All right. Okay. So um, I uh, I'm a very uh, I'm an admirer of Hillcor and. I'm an admirer of their structure and how they engage and motivate and unleash the ideas of their employees. Now, um, I'm going to focus a little bit of this on the granddaddy of the field, Prudhoe Bay. And with Prudhoe Bay, um, taking a look at um, the amazing um, reservoir that Prudhoe Bay is, um, we've got uh, uh, well over a billion barrels left to produce. At, uh, at Prudhoe Bay. Well, the team under BP figured out how to turn that billion into two billion. Um, and yeah, we could, uh, we could uh, continue and work to, to get that two billion out, scrapping and, and competing for, for dollars, or Hillcorp can come in and ensure that those options to get that two billion are very competitive. They've got lower overhead, and they really do bring out great ideas out of employees. And their track record is such that they'll turn that $2 billion into $3 billion. And Lisa, as you said, I, I, kinda, I come from the subsurface, and it's about those molecules. It's about those barrels flowing through taps that is super exciting. And that turns into jobs, and that is unleashed by innovation. So you put the incredible reservoirs on the north slope with uh, Prudhoe Bay at the heart with the incredible people, with their ingenuity, their grit, their ideas, with the management structure of Hillcore, magic is set to happen. Um, and and I, I believe we'll see that. The threat that I'm worried about is ballot initiative number one. Um, uh, coming in and taxing at that level the legacy fields I would hate to see uh, Prudhoe Bay that we had worked to uncover ideas that would give it 40 more years. I'd hate to see that cut short. Such, you know, Prudhoe is that foundation, and development happens with a strong base. You've got to have the Prudhoe Bays and the Greater Kapark areas and the Alpines flowing through taps um, to enable that cost base to work such that development could happen on top. So I would hate to see this initiative pass. Um, it might even feel like, now this is Janet's opinion, not necessarily Hillcourse, but it's like buying a new car and having it wrecked before you drop it, you know, drive it off the lot. Um, mm -hmm. It could be that kind of a feeling here. So that would be the big threat to me. Yeah, well, I, and I appreciate you raising that. Um, the, the last question that I, I wanted to, to address to you, um, and we're all all across the state, we are we are reckoning with the changes that um, the COVID nineteen pandemic has brought to, to really every sector uh, of the economy, um, and and I recognize that as we are trying to get the uh, the industry back on track too, because we know uh, we saw workers uh, up north uh, that that came down with the coronavirus, uh, 
different protocols being put in place, uh, a recognition that that uh, you had some operators that that really um, slowed things down to the point, laying down the rigs, sending people um, off the slope. So we've got to figure out how we how we kind of reboot uh, as well the the North Slope um, uh, as we're coming on the other side of this uh, COVID. COVID situation, hopefully coming on the other side of it. And if you overlay uh, the concerns that you have just expressed about the impacts um, uh, of the oil tax that that uh, uh, that we're going to be looking at at this ballot, uh, this ballot measure, um, uh, again, a real a real hard kick, I think, to to Alaska's economy. So I guess the question to you is, as we are looking to to uh, to the oil uh, sector and recovery um, post-pandemic, what is it going to take to get back on track? What what's what will be the most important for recovery there on the slope? No, it's a great question. I uh, I do believe that um, um, the state and uh, and the industry have been working very well together to ensure that safety and the health of our communities and our workers um, remains the top priority. And I love that partnership and the way that um, we've got stepped through things together. And I'm pretty proud of, of how things have been managed um, thus far. And you betcha, we, we took down our rigs, we went down to only critical work, and we moved people off the slope to ensure that uh, they were were healthy, and um, that we weren't in a position that we would overwhelm the health system of, of Alaska. Now, as we're moving forward, um, I think it is quite important that we are um, moving forward in a way that we are keeping safety and health at the heart of everything we're doing, mm-hmm. and we go ahead and adding back work in a way such that we're not adding to um, an unhealthy system. Now, um, in doing that, and as, as we move forward, um, we need to embrace technology. We need to um, continue, like we're doing, to embrace testing um, and um, leverage uh, the, the entities that, that, uh, that work and, and do good work in Alaska, like the oil and gas industry, like the military and all, as we're moving forward using the um, cutting-edge technology and um, the medical advice that we sh- that, um, that's out there. I'm seeing very responsible um, plans and response from the various companies um, stepping forward because safety people are at the heart and the communities that we work in. It's very important that uh, we're in dialogue and partnership with our um, Alaska Native communities up on the North Slope. So I think... Um, Stepping forward, um, we've got a good handle on what's going on. Stepping forward, um, not going too fast, yet bringing back work as the environment, competitive environment, oil price um, allows in such a way that keeps people safe um, and test, test, test in in a Mm -hmm. smart way. Um, And then we're all in this together because we've got to remember oil and gas industry is yes, it's a very important part of our economy that that goes all the way to that uh, front line 
entrepreneurial business and enabled um, our restaurant owner. All of sectors are connected back to oil and gas, so it's super important that we're all in this together. We are one Alaska. Well, and you say that that very well. Um, you know, I have an opportunity. Senator Sullivan and I have been doing these um, uh, somewhat weekly uh, teletown hall meetings, and we hear from Alaskans all over the state that you know they may have a, a small tourist uh, um, business down in 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 the southeast, or they may be uh, up in the interior as a teacher, and there is a recognition that that oil has sustained our, our state's economy, um, that it is an integral part regardless of, of what it is that we do, and, and that uh, when we are talking about a healthy economy for Alaska, it is all of us, and that includes the, the oil and gas sector. So uh, we, want, we want our workers to be safe, um, the the companies have have uh, uh, stood forward um, very very early in in some rigorous protocols and and I I, I firmly believe that that has helped us uh, certainly in the early days uh, of COVID um, to 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 keep um, the virus from from impacting. Uh, are important essential workers and and the surrounding communities. So we, we appreciate those efforts. We know that we still we still have a ways to go. Um, we are not yet done uh, with this. Or as people have said, we may be done with COVID, but COVID is not done with us yet. And so being vigilant uh, is something that that uh, we all will continue. So we've got to wrap up now. So I'm going to throw what could either be the softball for you, Janet, or the really hard question that you still can't answer, and that is, all right, what happens next? You're retired, but um, we all know, particularly in Alaska, it seems people have a hard time staying really retired. They get to do some some great and extraordinary things. I don't know if you've got anything uh, on, on deck that you want to share with us at this point in time, or, or whether you're still in the I'm enjoying Alaska well I can mode. Well, I'm, I am very much enjoying Alaska while I can. We started the, the dialogue, Lisa, with uh, moving up in 1986 in June, um, newly married. Well, I'm just loving seeing Alaska now 34 <laughs> years later with my awesome husband. We've got an, an RV that we're traveling around with. Uh, we have our wonderful daughter who was born in Alaska four years later. Um, and she has a, a baby, so we've got our grandbaby with us. Um, and uh, she moved back a couple of years ago, so we get to travel around with uh, family as well as friends. Um, and um, we have um, uh, more fishing to do, uh, far more camping to do, more hiking to do, because we're intoxicated with the state and the beauty and the phenomenal people that live here. Um, yes, there will be more interaction with our youth in my in my future, more interaction with uh, various nonprofits in in my future, and I want to certainly keep a little bit of a toe or a finger in the industry, but I do want to spend the bulk of my time with uh, family and enjoying this great state. So thanks for the question. Well, you have certainly earned every bit of, of every moment with your family, 
with your friends and with the fish as you're getting out and about. <laughs> the contribution that you have made, that, uh, that Troy has made, you have embraced the community um, in ways that is just so, so greatly appreciated. We see that through the philanthropic efforts. You point out your, your work with, with younger people, but Janet, not only what you have contributed from an industry perspective, but just as an Alaskan, we thank you, we wish you well, and thank you for sharing your thoughts uh, today on this Murkowski message. So thanks, and we'll, we'll see you along the road.